You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. A little crazy. I'm going to preach super short. Like, actually, normally when preachers say that, it means nothing, but I'm actually going to be short. I don't have three points. Every preacher has three points. I have two. Yes, 66% shorter, guaranteed. Okay. And I know that it's kids in here, there's a lot of distractions, so we just appreciate your flexibility. I'm going to preach quick, and we're going to go outside to see Santa and have a lot of fun. But I want you guys to come with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. And also, the louder that you shout back at me when I say something good, the more we'll drown out the distraction of kids' church as well. So it's just kind of a win-win. I'll feel better about myself, and we'll, uh, you know, make it a little less distracting in here. But I'm going to set up the story in Acts chapter 8. We're going to read uh, verses 5 through 8. And... Um, This is what we're reading is the beginning of the church. It's the history of the early church. And Jesus, right before the church started, after he was resurrected from the dead, he appeared to his disciples and he said, go to Jerusalem and wait. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to receive power. And then he said, very specifically, you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. And it's almost like Jesus really knows what he's talking about because that's exactly how things rolled out. In Acts chapter one, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter stands up and gives the very first altar call in the history of church in Jerusalem. And the church, Jesus had 120 diehard followers. Peter stands up filled with the Holy Spirit, preaches as good as I'm preaching right now, and 120 people jump to 3,000 people. 3,000 people become Christians in one single day. That was in Jerusalem. And then if you read Acts chapter 4 and 5, it says that the message began to find its way out of Jerusalem into the surrounding cities, which would be the state of Judea, Jerusalem, Judea. And then in Acts chapter 7, a man named Stephen is the very, very first Christian martyr. And the church is persecuted and it begins to scatter. And in Acts chapter 8, Philip is the very first missionary that takes the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus to Samaria. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Now here we are, this is Awakened Church in San Diego, not in Jerusalem. So here we are at the very ends of the earth. It's happened exactly as Jesus said it would. First in Jerusalem, then to Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. But I wanna look at what happened in Acts chapter eight, five through eight, as um, Philip takes this message to the people of Samaria. So it's going to be on the screen behind me, Acts chapter 8, 5 through 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And this next verse, verse 8, has really begun to haunt me in the best way possible as a pastor, as a leader in this city. And it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 8, and there was great joy in that city. And so my question for us as a church family, question for me, is what will they say about our city a thousand years from now? When we're all long gone, nobody remembers our name anymore, will people say, Man, that one part of Southern California in the early 2000s, there was great joy in that city. Is that what they'll say about us? Is that what they'll say about our city, the city that God has entrusted to us? Will they say there was great joy in that city? 
I don't know about you, but I feel responsible that the answer will be yes. I feel responsible that people will say of Eastlake, people will say of Imperial Beach, of Coronado, of Chula Vista, they will say, man, there was something happening. There was great joy in that city. And what's the recipe for that? What's the recipe for a city filled with joy? Well, we can find it in this passage. Go back to uh, verse 6. Acts chapter 8, verse 6, and it says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, and here it is, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. Hearing and seeing. Hearing and seeing. Those are my two points. I told you, not three points, just two. Point number one, hearing. Point number two, seeing. The reason that this city was so filled with joy was because they heard and they saw. What did they hear? They heard the message. They heard the truth. And I can promise you one thing, no matter what, at Awaken Church, whether it's me or any of the other pastors, whether it's now or 50 years from now, we will preach directly out of this book. Always. We will not change it. We will not alter it. We will not make it say things that it doesn't say. This is the Logos of God the written word of God. And listen, we preach even the parts that make people leave your church. We talk about money all the time. You want to know why? Because this book talks about money all the time. I don't know what to tell you. We talk about the definition of marriage because this book talks about the definition of marriage. We will always preach directly out of this book. And you want to know why? It's not because it's hateful or bigotry, because it leads to a city filled with joy. Samaria heard these words, and it filled the city with joy. It didn't cause division. It didn't make people upset. It, was, it made people, like people saw their lives go from glory to glory, strength to strength, and it brought great joy to the city. They heard. And so what did they hear? Well, I'm going to tell you. Bible says in Romans uh, 3.23 that the wages of sin is death. If I were to, this is not a real plant. Uh, it's, it's a fake plant. This doesn't really help my analogy, but that's okay. If I were to pluck one of these pine needles from this, assuming it was a real plant, that pine needle, in the minute it was disconnected from the source, would slowly begin to dry up and wither away. And in the same way, we read in Genesis chapter 3 that Adam and Eve take matters into their own hands. They are given instructions on how to live, how to obey God, how to walk in fellowship with God. And they decide, you know what, we're going to do it our own way. And then as a beautiful symbol and very poetically, after they go their own way, do their own thing, realize that they have, they have disobeyed God, they've sinned, they're filled with shame. And so they pluck a fig leaf off of a fig tree to cover their own nakedness. And that fig leaf is a symbol of what is happening to them. They have been disconnected from their life source. And just like the fig leaves that they sowed to cover themselves, it was on a collision course with its own demise. And every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. Pastor Jurgen, me, the Pope, everybody. Justin Bieber, yes, I know, yes. Even the Biebs has fallen short of the glory of God. And you know, in our modern 21st century world, the, the, the word sin kind of like makes people snicker, like it's, like it's funny, and people think it's just S-E-X, 
and drugs and rock and roll. We got kids in here trying to be mindful. Oh, there goes the fake plant. I just kicked it off. It's now disconnected from the source. Yes. This is very sad. This plant needs Jesus. And so every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And listen, sin, all it means is to make something more ultimate than God. That's all it means. It means to derive your value, your worth, your meaning, your identity from something other than the God that made you. And it can be a good thing. It can be your kids. My son Zeke's right here. What's up, Zeke? How are you, buddy? Good to see you. If I, and my son's awesome. I love my son. He's a gift from God. But if I begin to derive my identity, if Mike Yeager is defined by who my son is or isn't, or who my daughter Everly is or isn't, the Bible would say, even though they are a gift from God, that that is sinful. Your career, whatever, your, God wants you to crush it. We've got Tony Correa up here, marketplace boss. But listen, if your success becomes your ultimate thing, and if anything were to snatch your success away, you would cease to be who you are. The Bible says that is sinful. You have broken the first commandment to not put another God before the one true God. But the great news is that this time of year, we celebrate Emmanuel. An angel announced to a young lady named Mary, you're going to have a son. And he said, they're going to call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. And how beautiful is it? If you read the Old Testament, God was like, I mean, sometimes he just comes off a little mean. He just would like take people out if they did something wrong. And he shows up in all these really scary ways. Sometimes he shows up, you know, in the book of Job, he shows up as a whirlwind and he, with a thunderous voice, comes down on, on Job. He shows up as a burning bush, a column of fire and a pillar of smoke and all these crazy things. But in the New Testament, he shows up as a baby in a manger. There is nothing intimidating or scary about a baby. If you're scared of babies, we'll just come up, we'll pray for you, we're gonna get you through it, okay? God came as a baby to show us that he's gentle, that he's kind, that he's approachable, that he made a way for us. And that baby became a little boy and then grew up to be a man, and his name was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He was a real historical figure, and he lived a perfect life, a life that we should have lived, a life that God deserves. And he lived a life that we couldn't live in our place, and he died a death that we deserve to die in our place. There was a great exchange that took place. And Jesus made a sacrifice. God himself came down to this earth and died in our place. But then he didn't just die. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. And it wasn't, listen, that's not myth. That's not a legend. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of eyewitness accounts of that, okay? The book of Luke, Luke was not like John Grisham writing novels. Luke was a doctor, literally. And if you read Luke chapter 1, verse 1, he says, uh, most excellent Theophilus, I am writing this to you to, so that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. This is an eyewitness account. 
that people really saw and interacted with a resurrected Jesus Christ, that three days after he died, he lived again. It is true. Three days later, and he stayed on this earth for 40 days before ascending to heaven, and his resurrection is the exclamation point that he really did conquer death, that he really did die in our place, that you and I can actually have a life filled with abundant joy because we've been reconnected to the source. We're like a fig leaf that's been plucked from the tree, but somehow, supernaturally, we've been reconnected. Now, that story that I just told you is the exact same story that 2,000 years ago Philip told in Samaria. The same words. He probably did it in Greek or Aramaic or something. I don't know. It probably wasn't English. He was probably more charming and probably more funny than me. But that was it. What you just heard, that was the story that he told to the Samaritans. And it says that the city was filled with great joy because people heard this message and this message changes lives. And point number two, lastly, they didn't just hear, they saw. And it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 7, or verse 6, and the multitudes with one accord uh, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. They saw the supernatural, miraculous power of the living God. And at Awakened Church, we believe unashamedly that the same God that did miracles then is the exact same God that does miracles today. We actually believe when Jesus Christ said, you will do even greater things than I have done. We actually believe when Jesus himself said, signs and wonders will follow those who believe. Here at this church, we expect and we pray miraculous. We know and believe that God heals cancer. We've seen it. We know that God breaks off addiction. We know that there's people that come in with years after years and generations and generations of anxiety, depression, generational curses, and they're broken in this house because we believe, we believe in a God that does the miraculous. We've seen people in financial ruin that God has elevated and promoted, Katie and I included. We've seen people hopelessly lost and we've watched God put them together brick by brick. And some of the greatest leaders in our church, me included, showed up at this church a disaster. Okay? Ten years ago, I was a mess, a disaster when I showed up at this church. But because I heard the message and I saw miracles that I couldn't explain, I am now filled with great joy. And I want to see a city that's filled with great joy. Come on. So hey, with that, come on. I want to close out the service. I want to just give a second for any of you to respond to that message. So I'd love it if you just all bow your heads and close your eyes. And again, I know it's distracting. we got kids running around, but God is here. God will whisper to your heart. And so my question for you is, have you actually responded to that story? Because it requires a response. 
John 3.16, the most famous verse in all the Bible, says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But it doesn't stop there. That's not the end of the equation. It says that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. We actually have to submit ourselves to that story to say, yes, I believe that story. I believe that story so much that it actually changes my life, that I am so hopelessly committed to the things of God because I believe it so much. And maybe you've never made that decision before. Maybe you've never heard that story that I just told you about this guy named Jesus. Here in a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. This is a moment between you and God. Maybe maybe you've, you've walked with God a long time ago. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've fallen away, slipped away, whatever. But you know that here today, God is calling you back. Or maybe you're just in here and you just feel far from God and know that he's knocking on the door of your heart to reconnect with him today. If that's you and you're any one of those three categories of people, here in a second, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to shoot your hand up, and I'm going to walk you through a very, very simple prayer. So if that's you, on the count of three, nobody looking around, I want you to shoot your hand up. One, two, three. Who are those ones that need to make that decision today? Awesome. I see that hand, my dude. Good to see you. Awesome. Who else needs to make that decision today to be reconnected to the source, to the God that made you? I see that hand. Awesome. And I'm telling you, there is a wild adventure that awaits you. Following God is not lame or boring. I'm telling you from firsthand experience, it is a wild ride. Amazing. Anybody else need to make that decision today before we close? Running out of time, want to close? Awesome. Amazing, amazing. Well, hey, can we give a big round of applause for those that lifted their hands? There's a couple of you so proud of you. Amazing, amazing. Go ahead and hop to your feet really, really quick if you would. Come on, can we give it up one more time for those that raised their hands? There's a couple of you. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk you through a very, very simple prayer. And everybody in the building is going to pray this prayer right alongside you. One of the most amazing things about having God as your father is you get a bunch of really awesome brothers and sisters too. There's no way that we would just let you pray this prayer all by yourself and embarrass you. So everybody's going to pray this prayer loud and proud right alongside you. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer proud, with confidence. Come on, church, everybody in the building, let's say, Dear Heavenly Father. Come on, everybody in the building, Dear Heavenly Father. I thank you today for sending Jesus on a rescue mission to save me. Today, I declare that my sins are forgiven, that heaven is my home, God is my father, and I am his child. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenchurch.com.